Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. Probably within a couple of months was the you're going to be gone in 30 days because I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then I experienced like severe wasting. I think I lost something like 30% of my body weight in 30 days. Basically, I lost like a lot of weight in 30 days. Just kind of going through that, it was just, I was just really, really, really sick. Like there was no, nobody saw an easy way to turn the train around. And so we look at society as a whole right now. And this is the most true thing I could probably say in the moment. This is the greatest human experiment that nobody ever agreed to be in. Because honest to goodness, not a single medical manufacturer or food manufacturer can tell you the studied combined effect of all of these products. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. This is one of the more interesting episodes that we've ever done, I think, and it's mostly because I've just never heard of something like this. Now, what's particularly fascinating and different about this is Kathleen, our guest, she's otherwise known as The Allergy Chef. You can find her on Instagram and theallergychef.com. She is someone who is still working, work in progress, right, with her health journey, but has been able to get to a point where at least she can live a somewhat normal life, which is fantastic. And with 200 food allergies and intolerances, including most water, and we'll talk about that in the show, yeah, it's pretty remarkable that she's been able to do that. So I know for a lot of people that come on this show, we do see complete resolutions of the things that they're dealing with, and obviously we have them on and we talk about it. When you hear where this woman started, though, I think you'll understand why we weren't looking for perfection by any means to bring her on and her knowledge is unbelievable and the things that she's doing for the community of well for the world really but the community of the functional space and people with specialized diets is like nothing i've ever seen and she offered something to our community that's really cool i mean there's so many great things about this episode and this individual so in addition to her allergies and intolerances, the members of her household also have food allergies and special diets, none of them of which are the same. After being told she only had 30 days to live, she made it her mission to help the food allergy community thrive. Three years from her lowest point, she and her team have published cookbooks, started a bakery, done nationwide outreach, developed recipes and resources, and more. And so you can learn more at theallergychef.com, as I already shared. And I just want to specify this because this is important to me. If you saw the headshot, if you saw the social media excerpt that we used, and you saw this woman wearing a respirator, this is not to be edgy. It's not to be funny. It's nothing like that. This is actually someone who has such a serious condition that she needs to do this to not get airborne allergens uh, in her system. So I hope that that's met with respect. I can't imagine that anyone in this community would not meet that with respect, but I still wanted to specify it because it is different. It does look like something that you probably don't see every single day. You might not have ever seen it. And I thought it was interesting when I first saw it in the sense of, okay, is this just taking this to the extreme or do we actually need this? And it is the latter. Uh, this is a person who absolutely needs this and has been through quite a lot. And she's a heck of a warrior, man. 
I'll put it this way. Uh, that 30 days to live thing was about five, six years ago. And she's still here to tell the tale. And she has figured this stuff out to the best of her ability so far. And I don't think she's stopping anytime soon. I'm not going to say any more. I want to get right into this one for you guys. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Okay. Hey there, Kathleen. Thanks so much for being here with us today. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, this is definitely going to be an interesting one. I've never really, I've definitely never met someone with the amount of allergies that you dealt with and, and these types of things. And I think actually from, well, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I do always like starting the podcast with a pretty similar question because I think it adds, it, it leads to a good foundation for the rest of the podcast. And so the first question I like to usually hop in with is just, when did your health journey start? Was this something that began really young age or was it something that you developed over time? And and what did it look like when it first started? Um, So I get this question a lot and it's actually harder to answer than you would think. Interestingly, I've been sick since the day I was born, probably before I was born, right? I always had health problems, like always, 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 always. Um, you know, one of my very non-traditional responses to foods that I can't process is unexplainable intense weight gain. We're talking up to 15 pounds in a week, eating almost nothing, okay? So I was always the biggest kid you'd ever meet. Um, food always gave me a problem growing up right? Like looking back, hindsight being 2020, it's been a lifelong problem. So I think a better way to answer it would be, when did I finally, when did I become aware of the connection? And that would probably be about maybe 10, 12 years ago um, when things really started falling into place. Because before that, it was like, I was always being told, you know, this is the problem or that's the problem or you're the problem. You're just eating too much or, you know, like doctors didn't really take it as seriously as they should have. Um, and I think that especially where food allergy is concerned, this is where absolutely more awareness is needed because, you know, when I was a teenager, I basically had like a 30 hour seizure, right? And um, it was after this trip and I'd eaten this particular meal and they sent in like all these different specialists. It was like this big deal. And they kept saying, what happened? And I would keep saying, I ate the food and this started, right? And they were like, great, let's do a brain scan. Let's do a heart scan. Let's do a this. Let's do a Every single specialist, not a single person said, you ate the food and then this, this happened like right after you ate. Yep, that great. Let's do a food allergy test. Like I look at this as myself now kind of going, how did that many people miss it? Like that sure. many smart people, that many educated people. And the worst part was, is like, it wasn't like the word allergy wasn't in my chart, right? They knew I had like really severe outdoor seasonal allergies. They knew that I had problems with certain foods, but nobody ever said, hey, this kid ate the food and then, you know, their body just freaked out. Let's do a food allergy test, right? Like, do you wow. know how much trouble in life I could have been saved if just one person in that room had said food allergy test? Just one. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting that you word it that way because that's sometimes all it takes, right? It's just getting the one person out of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years sometimes of dealing with this stuff. And I certainly had a different history, but where we're very much the same is you said, you know, pretty much sick from day one, you're, you're kind of born like that. And that's how I felt. I mean, up until, you know, the last several years when I finally did get this stuff under control, I didn't know what it was like to, to not be sick. And so I just want to be clear. Was it always pretty severe from day one? Because I understand that, I mean, that's a way um, beyond excessive weight, weight gain, but like, was it so extreme that you're like, oh yes, I'm a, I'm a very sick person. I would say in terms of extremes, maybe early 20s is when it really hit the breaking point of extreme. 
I think okay. up until then, people just sort of saw it as, you know, this kid has issues or these are normal <laughs> childhood issues. That's my other bone to pick with the world. This stuff is not normal. We have conditioned an entire generation of people to ex to accept like issues of health as normal. Like one in 13 with this, one in 10 with this, one in five with that, one in 20. Like that's not normal. You know, we look back yeah. to our grandparents. They didn't have all of that. Like, where's the connection here? Like, at what point do we all kind of stop and say, hey, maybe what we're doing isn't quite working out for us? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do wonder where that line gets drawn. And it's such a shame because what happens is most people, I find even this is true with like Western medicine, we're on this path. And unless you directly see it affect you or a family member, it's very hard to start thinking outside the box. And then it's amazing, you know, how many, well, obviously I won't name names, but just people like RNs or whatever that end up coming to us. And they're like, yeah, I, I got sick. I was an RN and I realized the system I was in wasn't working and I had to start going doing something else. Um, and I think this is really worth noting for yourself and just because I'm always wording this correctly and I always make sure people understand what my beliefs are. But just so you guys know, Kathleen has said before we ever got on, you know, Western medicine, that's where she's going to go for the heart attack, right? That makes sense. But, you know, for these other types of things, this chronic stuff, that's where, unfortunately, that system was not really designed, it seems, to kind of cater to people like us, as you know, all too well, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I tell people all the time, like, listen, guys, I love East mess, like East and West medicine. I really do. You know, if essential oils help you, I think that's awesome. If you're having a heart attack, put them down and go to the ER, right? Like there comes a point where everything has its place. And like you said, it's like for chronic illness, I don't think Western medicine is designed for us necessarily, or at least not standalone. You know, you look at people with like mast cell, right? And um, I think there's a great flow between East and West to treat chronic mast cell and to help people recover as best as they can, right? Mm -hmm. You look at like mold exposure. For some people who are hypersensitive to mold, Western medicine only compounds the issue. Like mm -hmm. they need a whole different approach. They might need Western medicine for, you know, the first couple of weeks to deal with the acute onset of symptoms. But after that, they don't need to be on 16 different pharmaceuticals. What they need to do is mold remediation and rebuild their health and immune system and all these other things that Western medicine just doesn't quite handle well, you know? Absolutely. So you had mentioned that it seems like it was the early 20s when things started getting a bit more extreme. And I get what you mean by that, I think, because there's this time period, especially if we're kind of born sick, where we do fall into this mental trap of thinking that it's either normal or I just have to accept this. This is just who I am. You know, I was born like this and this is what it is. So what does extreme look like for you? Because I feel like some of the stuff you already mentioned from earlier childhood was kind of not fun, that's for sure. So what <laughs> happened that that made this classify as extreme in your mind? Um, so I wasn't able to like leave the house anymore. If you were to touch me just barely, like just a light feather touch, I was in extreme pain. Um, you know, the inflammation response was so off the charts, like there's no chart left. To me, I guess that became extreme because you you've pegged it, right? When you grow up with it, it just is, you know, like you know, if you grow up and you're always in a wheelchair, you're just always in a wheelchair, right? And so by growing up, just always being not well, I was just really used to it. But when you're finally so unwell that, you know, you just can't get out of bed anymore, or 
you're just in severe excruciating pain 24 seven. Um, to me, that kind of starts to classify as extreme. Um, I got to the point where just a sip of water was like swallowing razor blades. So that's pretty extreme at that point. Um, I'm sure there were moments before that, that if I were to really dig deep, I could say we're extreme as well, but those are the ones that really stand out. Like, you know, those are the make it or break it moments, I guess. Okay. That's, I mean, wow, that's insane. When this is happening, like what, obviously I would, I would assume you're going to, to doctors at this point and clearly maybe it wasn't helping, but like, what, what are you trying to do to get this better? What are they saying? Like, what do they think's happening? Because that's obviously the water razor blades thing. That's just so scary to me. I'm like, that was, it's scary, but it's a great visual when you described it like that. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't even imagine such a basic necessity being such a heartache. Like that's gotta be that's got to be just mentally stressful knowing that you have to do this and that's happening. So like, what are you trying? What are the doctors saying? Like what's going on at that point in your life? I think at that point I had completely given up on Western medicine and, um, believe it or not, sometimes people are shocked. It was our chiropractor who was also like a good friend of ours. And he also has like a degree in neurology and he's like this really cool dude. And he's like, I have no idea what's wrong with you, but let me help you try to figure it out, right? First and foremost, any doctor who can tell you upfront that they don't know what's going on, I applaud them because so many specialists, they were like, oh, I know exactly what's wrong with you. We're going to get you on these pills and you're going to be fine. And it was like hearing that time and time again, it just sort of gets to you and you're like, you have no idea what's going on. It's obvious. But of course, you know, they want to be the smartest person in the room because there's all these initials. So working with him was really great because he had a network of people that he would reach out to and, you know, his new symptoms were coming up because mind you, symptoms were not going away at all. Um, you know, go, still going to a lot of different places. And I was kind of always just being told, wow, I've never seen anybody this bad before, you know, and um, people would do what they were used to doing. And, and that's the unfortunate thing about my condition is I am a mimicker, right? Because I have so many symptoms, more than 200, I mimic pretty much every major and rare condition, including things like cancer and Job's disease. So if I were to just go to, say, an oncologist tomorrow, before they were to run a series of tests on me, if I were to just list off my symptoms, they would probably come up with three different types of cancer that they would think I had, right? I can go to a different specialist the next day, list off symptoms, and they would think they're the one for me. When the reality is, when you bundle it all up, it's just allergic to everything, right? When you remove food from the picture, I'm fine. There's no symptoms. Like, I'm good to go. I can get up. I can do my thing. I can function. I don't need pills to, you know, get through the day or anything of that nature. You put in the wrong foods and all of a sudden I have all these symptoms. And so I think at that point, you know, I love science by nature. Like I'm a very scientific minded person. I'm also a very creative person. So I don't know, a very split brain. But um, to me, it was just like a series of investigations. Like, hmm, like we were just detectives at that point. Um, because, you know, it's like, what have you got to lose? Right. Um, so yeah, it was just a matter of trying to figure out what exactly is the diagnosis at that point. Um, because that was going to help us figure out if there really was a path to treatment. Sure. And I love what you said about that chiropractor. Because I know that you said quite a few things there, but honestly, that's one of my favorite things you just said. It's this idea of actual humility in the medical space because folks, we all, well, I'm preaching to the choir here, but one of the things I wish we just realized on a societal level is 
obviously these medical professionals don't know everything. Otherwise, everyone would be living forever and no one would have any health issues, right? But we have to remember that that's okay. And I think what happens is, to, to the doctor's credits out there, we put them at such a high standard and they are placed with so much responsibility that, yeah, it must be hard to, when someone walks into an office and they're like, oh my God, I have no idea what to do with this person. And like, they know that you're coming to them to help them out. But I think sometimes, especially for people like um, yourself or others in our community, it's really nice, actually, it, ironically, to hear sometimes, you know what, I don't know what's wrong, but let's work on this together. Let's try yeah. to figure this out. I can use my information. You can use some information that you've gotten. You could use just your experience from the condition that you're dealing with. And maybe we can figure something out. Um, and it sounds like perhaps that chiropractor at least got you in the right direction. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. In fact, with him, he was the one who basically figured it all out. Um, wow. <laughs> at least who gave the, the major suggestion that got the ball rolling. Because he was like, you know, and this is like before gluten was a fad. And he was like, a lot of people don't do well with gluten. And why don't you take that out of your diet? Now, mind you, because our kids have food allergies, and I already knew that I had a problem with like cane sugar. Um, and I, I was already aware of like food being problems for certain people, depending on things. So it wasn't like there was a huge learning curve. He was like, take out gluten. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right. That seemed easy enough. <laughs> and um, I felt better for the first time, like ever. And then we were like, okay, clearly there's something here. And so that's when we started ordering like every test under the sun related to food, um, gut health, et cetera. And um, that's when it all just started rolling in like, oh, look at all this stuff you can't have. Oh, what happens if we start taking all these foods out? And the more foods I took out, the better I felt. Hmm. And um, yeah, that's really what it came down to. It was just taking foods out and feeling better. In terms of water, that actually ended up being a whole process on its own. Because um, even though foods are being removed, water never became less of an issue. And the short of the long is I'm allergic to the processing of water. Um, even with, if, if, you, if you get like a fancy water filter, I still can't have them. Even like oh the gosh. supposed corn-free water filters can't do them. There's a company called Raw Water Summit Spring, and they're located in Maine. They have the only exemption in the United States to not treat the water. It is truly untreated water. Um, even if you buy like bottled water from other countries, which we had, there was a company, they're called Salacious Drinks. I always like to give them a shout out because they are the coolest people. They got me water from all over the world trying to help find water I could drink and none of it would work. We finally got down to Summit Spring and that was even like a godsend because it was a total accident that I found out about that company. And Brian, he was super nice. He sent me water in both plastic and glass just in case the plastic was a problem. <laughs> and awesome. um it turns out he has one other customer who's just like me where we pretty much can't drink anything but his product his product was the first time in a very long time where i was just able to drink water and not be in pain and it was like whoa it was such a trip um and it really boils down to he has the only exemption to not treat the water well oh my gosh it's such an interesting Okay, so wait a second, because I get water um, from Spring sometimes to the point where like I'll use something called findaspring.org. I go there and fill up the water. Um, so forgive my ignorance here. So there is some level of processing being done even with that water? You know, it's hard to say because I did the same thing, right? Before we had found Brian, we had looked into like different springs. We live near Mount Shasta. I actually drove up oh, to Mount so, Shasta wow. <laughs> and bottled water directly at the source. And still could not drink it. 
So is there some kind of processing? I don't know. I can't speak for it. All I know is, is Brian's water was literally the only water I could drink anywhere. Cool. Is that a website? Is that something anyone can buy across the country? Yeah, or do you have a special? It's called, um, I think the website is summitspring.com. But if you do a web search for raw water, summit spring, you'll find them. It's um, like a blue, blue lettering. And okay. um, they have two lines that they do. The raw water is completely untreated. And then if you get the summit spring label, it's been UV treated, but not chemically treated. So it's still okay if you're, um, you know, dealing with a lot of food allergies and different issues. That is amazing. Thank you. I've never, this is why I love getting the privilege to do this podcast. I mean, this is going to be episode, um, they hate when I misspeak for like our editors and stuff. So I shouldn't <laughs> say which episode it's going to be. It'll be in the high nineties. That's for sure. And so to think that like, I have amazing people coming on super advanced and I've never heard this once. I've never heard of the raw water. So I know the audience is going to appreciate that. I'm just curious now from an experimental perspective, like, okay, like if this helped someone like her, why would I not try to get this and just, I mean, see if it helps me see what it does. So hopefully right. the audience yeah. gives that a try. That's very interesting. Um, and, and it's kind of weird to think like, yeah, I thought when I was going to these springs that that might be the best of the best, but maybe there is a difference between some of this stuff. And, and certainly for the average person, perhaps what I'm doing is, you know, about as good as you reasonably need to do, but I like to shoot it higher. And I know everyone in our community likes to go to the highest level. So if we could get some raw water from Maine, I'm about it. <laughs> I right? will happily yeah. do that. <laughs> no, and um, I'm with you. I mean, there's, there's like, you can... I think the average person, especially if you, you know, have great gut health and your, you know, gut barrier is like totally intact and all these different things, right? You're probably doing just fine. But then of course there's the people who want to get to like that 80% and they have, you know, the special water filters and the special this and the special that's. And then you have the people who are like, let's get to a hundred. Like, let me get yeah. the best of the best of the best of every little tiny thing I can do. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, a, I feel like that's how I am because as I've tried to recover my health over the years, you know, I realized, and I don't mean it like in a workaholic way, but I am someone that I, I like to work. I enjoy doing a lot of things. And I realized I can do that if I maintain my health. But like you said, it's almost as if I have to keep that almost a hundred percent with my health history to maintain if I want to do 60, 70 hours a week. And then I'd have to know when to rest and stuff. So it's, it's a balance. And I think a lot of people in our community are way overrepresented in that group that wants to go that hundred. So uh, very cool. Now, how do you, I don't know if this is mixed together. So I, I want to, I'm asking possibly two questions here, but I will do it at the same time. You were told at one point that you had 30 days to live. And at the same time, you also find out that you have 200 allergies. So which one of those came first? Was that at the same time? And like, what even, I'm sorry to ask so much. I'm just like, what even provoked this 30 no, days no, no, to no, live thing? Maybe we can start there. It's a good question. Um, so much was happening all at once, like seeing so many different specialists all at once at that point. Um, I think the diagnosis of the food allergies came first and then shortly after, probably within a couple of months was the, you're going to be gone in 30 days because I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and then I experienced like severe wasting. I think I lost something like 30, 20% of my body weight. No, 30% of my body weight in 30 days. Basically I lost like a lot of weight in 30 days. Um, and so just kind of going through that, it was just, I was just really, really, really sick. Like there was no, nobody saw an easy way to turn the train around. And that's actually when we found the raw water. That was really the pivotal point because that was one of the key parts. It's like when you can't get, a, when you can't get liquids, you know, or foods into a person, 
that's a problem, right? Like it's just a basic human problem. And so that was really the beginning of the turnaround, I think. Wow. And I'm, I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I have to ask because it's an allergy. It shouldn't matter if you're taking it necessarily orally or not. I'm assuming they couldn't just hook you up to an IV and give you that kind of water because that would still probably cause the reaction. Am I correct in saying that? That would be 100% correct. Okay, um, got it. And so for me, when you're dealing with a severe corn allergy on top of everything else, corn has over 250 different uses in food, medicine, and agriculture, right? It's in adhesives. So if you just pick up some scotch tape, I can't. Um, it's in everything. And so when you take someone like me and then pump a bunch of corn into an already weakened system, it's like, you're just going to make it a gajillion times worse at that point. Okay. So you find out about the role of water during this very uh, serious time. And it's so, I love, I thank you first of all, for just sharing your story. And I know I'm saying that a little prematurely, but when there's people that come on here, because we've had a few that it's like, they're given these life sentences or death sentences rather. And they're like, Hey, th this is it, you know, and probably at a relatively young age, it's like that that's going to be that. And then they turn it around to go out and share that with other people. I think that's one of the most important things that could ever be done on this podcast as the health detective podcast. It is an amazing and beautiful thing to show people that there's hope for their chronic disease. I think it's a whole different category when we're telling people, Hey, I've been given an ultimatum and I beat that ultimatum. That's pretty empowering. And that's the message that you need to hear um, when you're, when you're going through something like that, because I can't even imagine what it would be like to told, uh, be told that. So thank you. And when you're finding the raw water, you said, this is when things start kind of, I mean, to some degree, turning in the right direction. What else started to go right? Because it sounds like you still have to limit a lot of different things, but I would imagine you've also made progress. So like, what does that uphill start looking like? Or, uh, well, <laughs> you know, they usually say that for like uphill battle. I mean, uphill in a positive way for, for this yeah. case. Like when you're, when you're starting to trend upwards, what is that looking like just besides the raw water? I think the upward trend was, um, I mean, obviously I was spending a lot of time on the phone every day, finding farms that would have foods that I could eat. Um, that's a huge part of living with a severe corn allergy. It's not just, you know, like someone like you goes to a grocery store and you can pretty much buy anything you want. Well, not anything, but anything within reason. And someone like me goes and the produce are covered in wax, corn-based wax. So that knocks out a good 50% of produce. Um, the other 50% of produce in the grocery store, they're using corn-based fertilizers or corn-based pest management. So that's off the table. Packaged foods, not even close to a question, right? 99% of packaged foods contain corn derivatives. So it's finding farms and raw ingredients that don't contain corn. And then from there, it's just making all your food yourself. It's finding meats that don't contain corn. So either, so I'm on the more rare end of the spectrum, surprise, surprise, but um, I can't do meats or any kind of product from any animal fed corn. So finding meat, not fed corn, that was a big deal. But it's not just that, it's now the slaughtering process and the packaging process. Because in the United States, they usually use a corn-derived wash in, in the slaughtering process to like wash the meats. Um, so it was finding a company that used the hot water wash instead, and then they didn't use the corn-based soaking pads in the meat. Like it, it was so many steps just to get one safe thing. And that was really the turning point. It's, it's finding like 10 things, right? Once you finally get item number 10, you're like, okay. I can work with this. I've got salt, I've got meat, I've got water, I've got, you know, these other things. 
I can make something with this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Hey, especially if you're going through that, I guess comparatively, it's like, all right, this is, this is good. I can start somewhere here and, um, and work my way up now, just to give a, a time frame when you're given that 30 day, basically a period to live, when was that? Like how many years ago was that, that that occurred? Um, you know, it's so funny. People ask me this and I never remember, like, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. <sighs> Okay. And that's really what I was getting at. I'm just looking for like, is it multiple years or yesterday? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That type of thing. (laughs) Definitely not yesterday, but, um, no, it's, it's at least five years ago, at least (laughs) maybe a little bit more than that too. Okay. And so I'm getting the vibe from you, not only just because of the story, but you also listed that, Hey, you're a really science-based person. You listed off a a few terms that, you know, plenty of people don't know. Plenty of people don't know what mass cell is. You know, I don't even know if I could explain that hundred percent properly. And maybe I should uh, do some research, but the, the point is I can't picture you ever. You don't strike me as someone who threw in the towel and said, okay, great. I get my 10 foods and I get to live now. That's, that's going to be it. So what has this journey looked like over roughly the last five or six years? Have you come to a conclusion as to why the heck this is even like, why does this happen? Because you know, it's not normal, which implies that there must be something abnormal going on, but do you know what that abnormality is? All right. So yes and no, right? First, I always have to preface it with no two people are the same. We all get into this boat with a whole different series of events. And that's part of it. Um, I think there's multiple things at play. Number one, I think there's a genetic component. I think you'll always have people who are just predis- predisposed to a breakdown of the body with the right stimulus, right? Whereas other people, you give them the exact same stimulus, nothing happens, they're fine. So you have that part. Um, I think there is a component of early medical interventions I know people don't like talking about vaccines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But unfortunately, in my line of work, I've seen so many people with genuine vaccine injury. And I'm not even talking about the most recent one. I'm talking about the long-term vaccines that have been you know, tried and true for 40 years. I think vaccines are great. I think on the surface, the idea of them, it's awesome. I just don't think they're for everyone. I think that there are a certain group of people. And the problem is, is nobody can tell you who that group of people are. Um, in some cases, they can. They can say, you know, like I know there's one particular shot where if you are an African-American male under the age of three, you have a greater risk of harm than if they give you the shot after the age of three. Like it's super fascinating, right? So we have all these little caveats. So we know there's a genetic component. We know early medical choices have an issue. Unfortunately, for as much as we like to say, you know, oh, fed is best. Okay, I'm sorry. But if you give your child formula for six months, one individual formula, formula fed versus breastfed does make a difference because the health of the mother absolutely can determine long-term health of the child. We know this, right? But again, it doesn't, because it's not a true statement for everyone, I think that's part of the reason like you have these almost like divides because nobody's willing to say the obvious, which to me is no two people are the same. You can give child A formula for six months and this child was born via cesarean and, um, you know, this child had every vaccine right on schedule and this child turned out perfectly fine. That's, that happens every single day. Whereas on the flip side, we have a child with, you know, maybe even the same parent, right, who got the same exact treatment, who came out completely different. Therefore, we know no two people are the same. It does not affect everyone 
exactly the same. So we look at, um, you know, food choices, right? When you feed kids a bunch of crap, which unfortunately is becoming the norm, we know it becomes a problem. It's really just this buildup domino effect over time. And so we look at society as a whole right now, and this is the most true thing I could probably say in the moment. This is the greatest human experiment that nobody ever agreed to be in. Because honest to goodness, not a single medical manufacturer or food manufacturer can tell you the studied combined effect of all of these products. They can't tell you what happens when you expose a pregnant woman to all of the chemicals and environmental issues that we're dealing with right now and all the additives in food. Plus, give her this child and then expose this child to all of these different interventions and all these foods and these genetically engineered products over the course of 20 years. They can't actually tell you. In fact, they don't want to admit it, but right now we're getting to the point where they can tell you and the results aren't pretty. And so instead of saying, hey, let's clean up this system and this system and this system and this system, we're blaming it on all these other things or we're sweeping it under the rug and just saying, these things are normal. Okay, but they're not. Rewind 45 years, rewind 50 years. In fact, let's go back to World War II, right? Before all of this stuff was introduced, before we had convenience foods, before we had all these other things, we look at the, the individual health of people and people were healthier. Just person for person, they were healthier people. And so we have to say, what happened? Well, this is what happened. Convenience, interventions, all of these great advancements that we think are advancements, right? That's what happened. Do they work sometimes? Absolutely. Do Are we like onto some really cool ideas? Absolutely. But we also have to recognize that there is a downside to all of these advancements. And people like me, you know, they say we're the canary in the coal mine. My goodness, I am a canary. I'm the canary screaming from the rooftop. This isn't going to keep working. Like you're reaching this point where it, it's just, it's not sustainable, you know? And if we were to only look at food allergy, we're one in 13 are now being diagnosed. And in fact, it's, you know, even less than that at this point. That's a problem because at what point do we say we can make it better? At what point do we say this doesn't have to be this way? Because it actually doesn't have to be this way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Man, you got my ears perking up so, <laughs> so much. <laughs> and I think it's just a confirmation bias, if anything, because I just completely agree with everything you just said and the way that you worded it, especially with the experiment. That's what I, I, I'm a younger guy, man. And so when I got into this, especially, I mean, I got into this at like 19 years old, I was just talking to friends and they always respected it. I mean, they got that I, I dealt with health issues and they were very open to it, but it was just, it was so strange and so foreign to some of them, what I was saying. And I was telling them, because as I started studying it, I'm like, guys, I don't think this is going to be just me. I think you know, people like myself and yourself, we happen to be the first to go maybe, or some of the first to go. But yeah. I think if we keep pushing this long enough, we're going to see it. And now in my mid twenties, we have these people that are, well, I have friends of mine that are coming to me and they're like, I have no idea what's going on, but this is the exact stuff that I've heard you talk about. This just started happening to me last year, or this just started happening to me three years ago. I've been to all these doctors, but no one can help. And so I honestly estimate that by the time like my generation is the lower end of my generation is at the age of 40. Can, if we're going the way that we're going right now, I think we're going to see significantly 
more people with major health complications than not in that age range. And I just, that's what I predict. I think the, there's stats to back that up right now with what we're already seeing. And so the question that you posed is like, when are we going to realize this isn't working? And I don't know how anyone in the world can listen to what you just said, because I, I always try to argue myself on both sides. How can someone honestly listen to what you just said, even with the vaccines, and say that that's an unreasonable statement? You didn't say vaccines don't work. You didn't say don't take them. You said, let's acknowledge that for some people, this causes issues. And I'm someone who, of all the health topics I speak on publicly, that's one I just avoid because it's become like yeah. religion. It's become like politics. It is. But what uh, you same, just said, same here. I, I purposefully avoid it. I because people get on their high horses, you know, especially if nothing bad's ever happened to them. But what's crazy to me is even people who have adverse reactions still get on the high horse without wanting to acknowledge that it's not for everyone. And I'm like, right. Hard pass. I I just, (laughs) I don't get what so, because I want to figure out what I'm missing. But when someone like you says that I cannot find the flaw in that, I can't see why that is going to cause such an extreme emotional reaction. If the person's actually listening, it is beyond me. And what I always try to word to people, I'm like, guys, can we just, let's take Xanax, for example, because that's part of my story. It's something I shared on this um, before because I had extreme anxiety. Okay. Xanax is fantastic at taking away anxiety, at least in my experience. It also made me very forgetful. It made me feel like a zombie and it made me very angry at times. So did the Xanax not work? Just because I'm complaining about some things that happened to me? No. The Xanax, exactly. It absolutely worked. But it caused these other things. I don't get why that can't just be translated to vaccines because it's it's black or white. It's either you believe vaccines work, they work all the time, and they're perfect, or you're an anti-vaxxer. It's like, what if I'm just someone who understands that medications have side effects? Like, is that- Do you know the, the crazy <laughs> part about that statement, though, is that lately, especially because you, you mentioned religion, and that's really what it's like. They're like, trust the science. Like, hold on. You do realize <laughs> in science that we are taught to ask questions and to yes. not trust. In fact, that's why we have peer reviewed because the idea going in is I'm skeptical of someone else's results and I don't trust them. Therefore, I need to test them for myself. Like, that's actually one of the core principles of the scientific method. You remember, you learned that in fifth grade. Like, can you go back that far and remember that? Because that's what we were taught. And, and that's why, like, I hear people today and I'm like, you people are crazy. You people are actually like, I don't know, like you've, you've drank some weird Kool-Aid because (laughs) we can't even have an honest conversation with some people anymore. Like, I think that when you reach a point where you're not even allowed to ask a genuine question, right? Like, I mean, some people, I don't care which side you're on. Some people get really extreme and really rude and really nasty. And I don't have space or time or energy for that. But if there's not even room for a genuine conversation or question or research, we've lost the battle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and that's what scares me. I feel like I'm, I'm I don't mean to go off on a side note, but you'll understand this in a second. I'm someone who loves like personality theory and stuff. And I know that you and I must have something in common there because the way that you word things and the way that you think about it is just so, so much the logic that I use. It's just people think I'm making a stance or attacking them or whatever. I'm like, I'm just, this is just a question. And like, I'm not even saying that I'm right, but it just, how are we supposed to progress if everything's dogmatic and you can't question it? There's trust. The science is the funniest thing ever. As someone who studies, like takes the scientific papers and reads them as I'm sure you do. I'm like, if anyone has ever said that, I guarantee these are the same people that have probably never read a scientific paper before. Because (laughs) that's not what that means. You know, science is, 
it's um assumes an inherent level of skepticism like like you suggested right that you should be questioning this and you know it cha- it evolves i shouldn't say it changes it evolves over time where we realize okay we thought this was great for human beings and now we realize this is probably a little better oh this was good but only with this thing in in combination with it right and so you can't just blindly trust the science it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't well, make okay. sense to further to, to further drive home your point though right yeah the fda has recalled thousands of approved medication, meaning they've gone through rigorous testing and they've gotten to the point where we say, okay, we think this is going to work for a lot of people. We think it's going to be great. And after using it for X amount of time and then collecting more data, the FDA steps in and says, this is not safe. Like take this off the market. Right? So it's like even long-term studied things, like even those we don't have concrete 100% information on, right? So just the idea of like, trust the science. Oh my goodness. No, we don't trust (laughs) the science. You guys, we experiment, we ask questions, we keep going back to it. And then of course we try to improve on it and figure out, can we make it more efficient? Can we make it more effective? You know, that would make sense to me. I don't know (laughs) what we're missing, but it sounds good. Um, All right. Well, I want to make sure that we're able to kind of shout out the work that you're doing because there is probably nothing I love more than people who take, and I mean this even outside of the health space. I'm a motivational speaker junkie. They were some of the people that actually got me into health, uh, interestingly. And I mean that indirectly because I heard of these people that went through insane things, super tough, and then somehow used what happened to them to actually go out and help others. And I think that's incredible. So how did this end up turning into this passion, because I know that you have this, the allergychef.com, which by the way, I got to ask, is this, you poor thing, is this you and the gas mask on there with? Yeah. So that's my respirator. My respirator has brought me so much strife, right? Because um, I've had to work for about five years. And when I first started wearing it, it, um, let's just say people were very, very, very not understanding. Um, I was escorted off of the property multiple times by security. I was harassed. I was laughed at, pointed at. It was awful. Like it was, you almost feel like ashamed to leave your house because you're just trying to breathe. Um, (laughs) That filter prevents airborne allergic reactions for me. That's really what it's all about. Um, Because I was at the point where, again, could not leave the house safely, not without basically almost dying. And so that was the game changer. But um, yeah, so theallergychef.com, that's pretty much the landing page if you want to find everything that we do. Um, the cool thing that we do, it's called Raise. It's a membership. And, um, you know, it's funny because I hate the idea of leaving people out, which is why when we first started, in fact, when we started our bakery, it was the same story where I was like, we can't have a bakery because um, the name of the bakery would be too long. And they were like, well, what's the name of the bakery? Well, it's gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free. And I would list out all these things, right? And yeah. I was like, and it's vegan-friendly and we have paleo options. And we have like, I was listing all these things and they were like, yeah, you're right. Like you can't have a domain name called that and you can't have a business called that. And finally, someone said free and friendly foods because it's free from and it's friendly too. And I was like, nice. okay, we can start a business now, now that we have a name, right? Um, and so Raise was the same thing. So the R is for restricted diet, A is for allergy, I is for intolerance, S is for special diet for people who are like paleo, GAPS, SCD, et cetera. Um, and then the E is for EOE. And the idea is that those terms when combined pretty much includes everyone because even just the term restricted diet, you know, if you are doing it for a medical reason or, um, 
maybe you're just experimenting or whatever, you mm -hmm. still fall under that umbrella. And we're here to help those people. And especially people who fall through the cracks. Because if you're like coconut free AIP, nobody can help you, right? Or if you're nut free vegan or soy free vegan or nut free paleo, like all these different combinations people don't keep in mind. And so um, what we call the crown jewel of the company, it's called the advanced recipe search. It's got more than 85 filters and we have more than 500 recipes on the platform. And so you go through and you select individual allergens, whole food groups. So like maybe you're allium free um, or can't do any nightshade, or if you have a sp specific special diet um, and you can put in all these combinations. And then what's cool is it's an and search. It's not an or. So every recipe that comes up at that point completely meets your needs that you entered into the system. And so we have people that, you know, cry tears of joy because they're like, nobody's ever considered a cinnamon free, you know, recipe or carrot free or, you know, all the weird things that I think of, because I know, like, I've walked a mile in your shoes, literally, you know, when I say I understand, like, I am probably one of the few people who can say to so many people, I 100% understand the symptoms that you experience and what it feels like to be so incredibly restricted. Like, I get it, you know? And so we've designed this system for these people. You know, where most people come for the recipes, so there's like 500 plus recipes, but there's also more than 600 additional resources that are like allergy seminars and corn-free courses and safe product lists and just all, you know, what I like to tell people is it's everything you wish you knew the day you were diagnosed, right? While we do have some information on how to get your diagnosis, we specialize really in helping you thrive once you have a diagnosis. So great. You know, you can't have these 35 things. Cool. I'm going to give you every recipe that can be free from those 35 things because my mentality is don't tell me what to do. Like I've always been that kind of person. Um, and so what it translates to in my work career is that if someone says, hey, you know, you can't have a gluten-free XYZ that still tastes good. I'm like, you know what? Watch me prove you wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have it because only because you said it couldn't happen is why I'm making this particular recipe. That's exactly why. Um, you know, at one point you asked, you know, how does someone have 10 safe ingredients without looking for more? Like what happens at that point? I think for me in a weird way, I feel like I've reached the end of the line, right? I essentially have my diagnosis. Um, you know, I know what's wrong with me. I could probably spend years and a truck ton of cash investing in maybe getting 10 more foods, 20 more foods or whatever, right? But at this point for me, I feel like my time and energy is better well spent making sure that everybody else can take from it, right? Because at the end of the day, what I've done in the past three years on the raise platform, if I were spending every day still trying to work on myself, there's no way I could have done it all. And now it's like we have over a thousand resources for people and for families. You know, it's like one of the worst reactions I had once I was laying in bed and I'm like, God, I hate this so much. And if one child can benefit from the pain I'm experiencing in this one moment, I'll be okay with it. Like I won't complain. I'll just shut up and deal with it. And looking back, you know, we've helped so many children. So many parents come to us and they're just like, my kid can eat because of you. You know, you've created all this stuff and I didn't know how to feed my child and I can now. You know, that that's the impact that we've made. Um, and so that's kind of the, the moral of the story, I guess, you know, like 
take something bad and turn it around and do something else with it. Because I think there's something there, you know, like, and if we can just get, you know, as a, to a point where as a society, we as consumers demand better, I think we'll all be better off for it, you know, and, and we're at this weird point where with the economy, the way it is, it's really hard to demand better, right? Because you can't show me a reasonable person who walks into a grocery store and sees a loaf of bread for $2 or two apples for $2 and doesn't choose the loaf of bread. Mind you, they didn't read the ingredients on that loaf of bread. And mind you, they don't realize that that loaf of bread is $2 for a reason. But common sense is pick the loaf of bread. More calories, more sustenance, it makes more sense, right? Your dollar goes further. And that's the problem. Like, we've taken bits of core education out of childhood, out of schools, out of whatever. And so people don't have a connection to what's in their foods. They don't recognize that there's a domino effect over time, right? And then they reach these points of unwellness. And then they feel it, you know, in their checkbook where it's like $2 for, you know, a couple of organic apples when I could get the standard apple and I could have, you know, 10 of them or whatever. It's like, they don't understand what they're paying for anymore. And personally, I feel like we shouldn't have even gotten to this point, right? Our grandparents didn't have to recognize the difference between organic and not organic. They didn't have to look for genetically engineered labels or whatever because it didn't even exist, right? But now we've introduced all this stuff. And then it's like, if you don't want to take part in that system, you have to pay more. That almost seems backwards to me. Like, and then of course, People don't realize the true cost of food. So going back to that $2 loaf of bread. Yes, it was $2 up front. But how much did you pay in all your medication in the long haul, right? Like people aren't seeing the combined cost of poor food and health choices. Like every time you choose not to move your body and not to treat your body well, how much will you pay later? It's well said. And I love the... um the mission and the motivation behind it. I think I can't understand the allergy thing that not at that level, that's for sure. But I understand. I think a lot of us here understand that more than we could ever express this idea that, okay, well, if we can go out and turn this into something that gets to help other people or give them a little bit of freedom or give them some relief because we know what it's like to be relieved to any degree after years of suffering. Yeah. I think that's a, a pretty amazing way to live. And it's, it's ironic because you could have so many restrictions in your life and yet you're given something that so few people will ever get to experience, which is this this genuine purpose in life, this wonderful thing to get to go um, actually help people and do stuff. And I want to make sure people uh, get the full shout out here. They know where they can find everything. Um, your scheduler had told me that there was even some kind of discount possibly for the community. And now I understand what it's for because I told Kathleen before this, I, I don't know if our audience realizes this. Guys, I like to go into these interviews just ignorant enough so that it's a genuine conversation. And I know it's working because so many of you guys say you love the conversations. I'm like, I think that's why. Um, so I didn't even realize what that raise membership was. I mean, that is cool as hell. I'm interested in that. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I'm interested in the bakery. So do me a favor, shout out where people can find everything, shout out about the discount, whatever you want. And then um, I'd love to ask you one more question after that. All right. So our raise membership is just go raise R-A-I-S-E dot net. Or you can go to theallergychef.com and there's like a link to get there. Um, there's also newly diagnosed, um, like it's a free program on theallergychef.com for anybody who needs that. But the discount is Detective 50 and you'll save 50% on your first month of a RAISE membership. And um, 
you can use that discount for like a year from today. And um, the bakery is freeandfriendlyfoods.com. I do have to warn you, it's not going to be staying open forever. Um, we're kind of moving in a different direction. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can definitely put in an order. Um, what's really cool is all of our stuff freezes for four months because when we started, our whole goal was to make sure that food allergy families could have a stock because that's a huge part of dealing with food allergies is just having access to safe food over time. Um, those are the main two things. But again, theallergychef.com, that takes you to everything. You can see our cookbooks. But honestly, the raised membership, it's the way to go. The advanced recipe search is like the coolest thing that most people don't even realize that they needed in their life. And then you have access to all the tools and resources there. Yeah. Well, uh, you just said that at the end. I would, I know I needed it. I just didn't even know something like that existed. So that's really right? cool. Um, that's, that's there. I think a lot of our community would be able to relate to that. So, all right, we got to wrap up, but I want to ask you our signature question here on the health detective podcast. And the final question that we always finished with is if I could give you Kathleen a magic wand and I could get you to, or I could allow you to get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do something or stop doing something. What is the one thing that you'd get them to do? I think I would get them to have like this magic, like blessing of their brain of like education and information about food and nutrition, like where it comes from, the importance of it all, like why you should be you know, limiting how much, you know, high fructose corn syrup, honestly, you shouldn't be having it at all. But like, if you're, you know, especially for those who are eating like Western foods and things like that, like just understanding how that's one of the best things that you can do for yourself and your family is just to consume the right kinds of foods that nourish you, right? Because even still, like maybe tomatoes don't nourish you the way an apple does. And it's understanding um, your bio individual needs where food is concerned, because when you do that, I think every, well, not everything, but mostly everything will fall into place. You know, man, I don't know what it is, but we hear things on this show all the time. If you're an active listener, you know how crazy the stories get. It, there's something about each one that's just, it hits so differently. Do you know what I mean? It's just a completely different experience every time. The emotions are similar, but the experience is different in a way because the stories are just so out of this world. I've never even heard of something like this. And I'm so glad that we ended up getting her on the podcast. I mean, what an inspirational thing. How do you take something like this and turn this around into something so beautiful and positive? I love stories like this, not only from the health perspective, but also from just the life perspective. There are so many people out there, I was one of them at one point, who are just suffering, who are just stuck, who are just thinking there is no point to this life. Why am I here? Why bother? And when you hear something like this, it's not that we ever want to compare our pain to someone else's. I don't think that's a good strategy. But man, if you gotta, how can, I mean, how much worse does it get? This is something pretty serious. I think we need to actually think about what it would be like to live a life like Kathleen has to live. And then think about the fact that, okay, not only did she work through that, she has a family, as she said. She started this wonderful business. She started a couple businesses. And she's using this to help others. When she said, I hope you guys caught this. When she said the part about 
she was in bed, she was in pain. And if she could feel only, or help, I'm sorry, not feel, help only one person, one child, and that's why she had to feel this way, then it'd all be worth it. That's a special kind of individual. And one I'm extremely glad that we got to have on this show. So Kathleena, thank you so much if you are listening. Very much for coming on. We appreciate you. And guys, just again, theallergychef.com, theallergychef on Instagram. This is where you can find her. Don't forget about the discount code that she offered our community. Super appreciative of that. I'm going to try that thing out because that is, (laughs) I knew I needed that. She said a lot of people don't know that they need it. I agree with that. I know I needed it. I just have never seen a resource created like that. And I want to give it a shot, especially as someone who travels a lot. I think that would be, I know it's not for that reason per se, but it would just give me something unique and fun while I'm on the road. And maybe I'm not in my normal routine. And I'm like, all right, I don't have the same foods I would normally have access to. What can I do here? So I know I'm going to enjoy that for sure. But thank you guys so much for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev. And we are looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. 